here at Canyon Ran. Cactus Ran. Or excuse me, Cactus Ran and a white-winged dove. We are hiking up there tomorrow to get Claim a Warbler and Blue-Throated Mountain Gem. And maybe a Hermit Warbler. What else, Levi? Possibly. Um, honestly, didn't hear everything, all the birds you listed, but... Kalima, Blue Throat Mountain Jam. What about the Impets? Oh, yeah, I'm looking for Cordillera for my life list. And also some Dusky and Hammonds I've been seeing. And Gray I've been seeing out and about, so... And maybe a couple of crazy warblers. Uh, Hermit or American Red Star could be up there, so... Painted Red Star. Or Painted Red Star. Man, I can't get anything right. Well, we're going to hit it at 5 in the morning after... After the sun goes down tonight, we'll get a good night's rest and hike up into that Chiso Space and up behind Emory Peak, up the Pinnacles Trail over into Boot Canyon. Hello and welcome to Bird's Eye View, a podcast about the birds of the United States and the world in which they live. We take a bird's eye view as we explore topics related to birds, birding, and the natural world. This is Matthew Radford, your host. The audio you just heard was from the night before Levi, Jim, and I hiked to find Kalima Warblers in the Chisos Basin of Big Bend National Park. That evening, we were standing outside the lodge, listening to great local birds, but looking up into the, further up into the basin, hoping we could hike the next morning and get Kalima Warbler, which we did. So I'm going to take some time today to talk about Kalima Warblers. A little bit about their history, biology, behavior, taxonomy, their appearance, some of the neat things about Kalima warblers, and I want to share my two-part story about how I added Kalima as a lifebird, finally found them, failed one year, and was able to find them the next year. One of the things that makes Kalima warblers so unique is their isolation in the United States, and even in Mexico for that part. They are geographically isolated. They are really, a, as a warbler and as a bird in general, but especially as a warbler, they're a really coveted tick for people's life lists. People want to get Kalima warbler, find them or hear them. They are perulids, they're warblers, the wood warblers, and one of roughly 50 in the United States that regularly breed here. So again, they're really a coveted bird to find. But their geographic isolation makes them tricky to find. They are a member of a unique genus, Leo Thalipus. I think I'm think, saying that right, Leo Thalipus, along with Tennessee Warbler, Orange Crowned Warbler, Lucy's Nashville, Virginia's. They are part of that group, that species, or that genus that's kind of a little to medium-sized drab gray warblers. Some have a fair amount of color, but most of them are fairly, fairly plain. They're just, in the case of Kalima, popular because they're very, very isolated. And they're warblers. People love warblers. They're so isolated, in fact, just to get there, to be ready for the hike, to get them, is a long ways from really most everybody. I did a little search on maps. It's 33 hours drive from Seattle to Chisos Basin, 27 hours from Miami. Even from here in Tulsa, we're in an adjoining state. It's a solid 13-hour drive with no stops. So you stop a little bit. Even here from Tulsa, it turns it into a 15, 16-hour trip potentially 
that's a two-day drive just to get to Chiswell's Basin. Once you get to the basin, it's a three to four mile one-way hike where we were to get Kalima Warbler. So significant drive, significant hike. And be, again, because of that, because they're the most probably geographically isolated warbler in the U.S., they're, they're highly coveted. Not everyone can get them. It's a very doable hike, but it's, it's not insignificant. It's, uh, it's out of reach for a lot of people with health concerns. Uh, they just, just can't do it simply. So we tend to, especially after we've hiked and seen Kalima Warbler, some people get a little bit cocky about it. And, oh, that's a, that's a very doable hike. We can do this again. But there are some people that is simply out of reach because of a variety of reasons. So it's, it's physically, it's not, it's never a slam dunk to get Kalima Warbler. My Kalima Warbler story has two parts. One was failure and one was redemption. So I'm going to share part one from 2022, then jump into a bit more about the background of the Kalima Warbler, the details about their lives, their natural history, and then I'll get into part two, the redemption, when I was able to finally see Kalima Warbler. So in, in 2022, Levi, Jim, and I traveled toward Big Bend National Park, Chisos Basin. Once we got to Chisos Basin, we slept in tents the night before. I thought that'd be great. I had a couple, one old tent, one newer tent. The weather looked great. However, that first night, it was great, except for about three hours, one storm of driving, pounding rain, which is all it takes uh, to, to destroy a tent and blow it down. So we were in tents. The rain came first. Of course, when I opened the tent, I had no rain fly. So Levi and I were in a tent with no rain fly, a tent with no rain fly. And next came the wind. Finally, the rain stopped. Then the wind started and just pushed the tent pretty much flat on top of us. And Jim's tent just got flattened completely. Finally, we made it through the wind. And I thought, we can get a couple hours sleep here. This is great. Maybe three to five in the morning, we can sleep and then get up and go find Kalima Warbler. And we're staying, of course, at this point in the Chisos Basin campground. At 3 a.m., however, the owls started right over our tent. Actually nesting in the little pavilion were western screech owls. They were a lifer. They were wonderful to see the night before. But after the rain and wind stopped at 3 a.m., the owls started, and it was nuts. They were loud, and they were feeding babies. So they kept me up from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. We got no sleep. At one point, we just went to the, the public restroom there and tried to stay warm, tried to dry off. We tried to help Jim get his tent secured. It just wasn't working. So, and Jim made the comment in the morning. He said, honestly, I'm pretty sure I did not sleep. I don't recall sleeping at all. So we started the hike anyway. We were tired. And Levi got a little sick, took six to his stomach. Uh, didn't help that we were living on different food out of coolers. And essentially, we stopped in retrospect about a half a mile short. We hiked and hiked. Uh, we took probably too much time hiking because we'd stop and it was exciting to get other lifers, which we did, but we took too long to get up there, maybe left a little late. 
We finally stopped. It was hot by this, this time. The cicadas were out and noisy. We thought we were in Kalima habitat. We were not quite there, we realized, again, in retrospect. So we stopped short and we uh, left, left the basin and looked for other birds. The positives from that trip were we got a lot of other lifers and we learned a lot from the trip so we could figure it out the next time around, which we did. But the first t the first trip, part one, was really just failure in terms of Kalima. But we had a great trip. We enjoyed each other's company. We saw a lot of great birds. And before we even left the basin, I said, we are not going to go a year, more than a year, before we come back. And we planned right then our trip in 2023 to get the dang Kalima warbler. So let's touch on Kalima warblers just in general. They are as I said before, they're really unique and special because of their geographic isolation. The birds themselves, kind of boring, I'll be honest. They're medium-sized warbler. They're mainly dark gray, brownish, uh, some pale underside. Their rump and the feathers below their tail, so their undertail coverts are yellow. There's some pretty yellow there. They do have a bold white eye ring, which kind of sets off some of their color. And they have a tinge of pale color on their breasts, males especially. And then males have a spot of orange on their head. So when we finally saw Kalima, I didn't really see any of that. I obviously saw washes of color, but in the shadow where I saw mine, they were just a really gray, plain bird. Their song is neat, but not anything special either. So sorry, Kalima, you're kind of boring, but still just a great, wonderful bird to find because it took some work. They're they're very similar to Virginia's warbler, if you're familiar with Virginia's warbler out west. They're just larger in size, more robust, heavier build, and behaviorally, they're just slower. They're more of a, or slow as they feed through the oaks. So they have a really unique history because of their geographic isolation. In 1889, originally a W.B. Richardson a specimen collector from the American Museum of Natural History. He was in the uh, Sierra Nevada de Colima in Mexico and discovered them and presumably collected some specimens. That's what he did. And after that, for the next nearly 40 years, they were just kind of a rare curiosity. They People knew they existed, but that's really didn't know much more about them and did not know that they were even in the United States. The fact that they were a rare curiosity for 40 years, even in eight, the late 1800s, shows what an uncommon bird they were even back then. But then in 1928, a Dr. Frederick M. Gage, who was with the University of Muse Michigan Museum of Zoology, collected a male in Boot Canyon, high up in the Chisos Mountains in the United States. So that kind of pushed the range of the Kalima warbler to its northernmost extent. That's the furthest north that they had discovered them at that point in the Chisos Basin. Again, though, still very, very unknown bird. In about four years later, in 1932, another University of Michigan uh, person, ornithologist Jocelyn Van Tyne, organized another trip to Chisos Basin. This time they, they loaded up some burrows. They took a lot of supplies in. They spent time up Juniper Canyon Trail over into Boot Canyon. 
and found at least several Kalima warblers in every you know, patch of oaks they would find. So they found a number of them and again, presumably uh, collected some of them, which they did back then. So we know now that the Kalima warblers found mainly in the Sierra Madre Occidental and Oriental Mountains of Central Mexico, through its range, they're not terribly common, but their range does extend up into adjacent southwestern Texas in the Chisos Mountains of Big Bend National Park. And that's where people have to go in the U.S. to find them. Now, there are also a little further north, but mostly west. I think it's a little north, but mostly west. There are Kalima warblers in the Davis Mountains of West Texas. And I'm of the opinion, although I'm not an expert, but I'm of the opinion there's probably more than what we think. I've always thought that for every record in eBird, there's probably 100 birds out there in more remote areas, off the trails, off the roads that are doing their thing. So I came across an interesting report of Kalima Warbler in the Davis Mountains in 2022. It's from May 27th, 2022 by Romney Swanson. This is publicly accessible information in eBird. So I thought I would read what he said about a sighting of Virginia, or excuse me, Colima Warbler in the Davis Mountains. I think it's pretty well known they're around there, but presumably they're mostly hybrids with Virginia's Warbler. But I think there's probably a, a breeding population of just Colima Warbler, although I might be wrong. Here's what he said of a reported Colima Warbler in the Davis Mountains. Singing male along Olympia Chute Trail, song more like Colima than Virginia. Seemed to respond to Kalima's song rather than Virginia's. No yellow throat on breast, dusky flanks and back. Rump, vent, seems to be yellow-orange. I am aware of potential hybrid Virginia's by Kalima in the high country of the Davis Mountains Preserve. I can adjust the idea of this sighting as appropriate. Seemingly much more of this sort of individual in the high country this year. A few birds singing more Virginia's-like songs here and there but never saw a singing male with the yellow chest of a Virginia's. And that's the end of his quote. So I, I think there are plenty around in the Davis Mountains, again, because I think that for every bird that's identified in eBird, there's a lot more around that are never seen. So probably some breeding Kalima warblers way west into the Davis Mountains. So within their range, what do they love? They love oak pine canyons. They breed above 6,000 feet in montane forests, pine, juniper, oak, madrone. They, you know, nesting birds utilize graves oak, gray oak, mountain mahogany, mountain sage, even prickly pear, pinion rice grass. They like that, again, high elevation oak type habitat, and they like it within canyons and slopes. And then in winter, they winter down in Mexico further to the southwest in humid pine oak habitat with brushy understory. So they're just a they're just a great bird. And let me share now and get into part two of the Kalima need, the need to get Kalima as a lifer for me. And of course it involved and was shared with Levi, my son, and Jim, my good friend. So before we left in 2022, we said we simply have to go back in 2023 and get Kalima Warbler. To do that, we decided, well, we're going that far. We may as well go through the Davis Mountains 
and get some other bird lifers and then go spend a couple of days looking for poor Kalima. And we did that. We had a great time in the Davis Mountains Preserve, which I'll talk more about in a subsequent podcast. I think everything we saw there was a good omen that we were starting out strong, getting some great birds. In and around Fort Davis and the Davis Mountains, we got Common Blackhawk the first night, Grace's Warbler up in the mountains, Dusky Cap Flycatcher, a rarity, but we got it. And we got Montezuma Quail and Elf Owl, which I got fantastic pictures of. I was just so delighted. And it was great. Um, when we finally made our way down to Chisos Basin, we stayed in the lodge. <laughs> forget the campground and forget the tents. We stayed in the lodge, had a great meal the night before. I realized in 2022, I'm just getting a tad old for this, sleeping on the ground. You know, I'm just too old for that crap. So stayed in the lodge, had a nice meal. Virginia bought us all a nice meal. I remember distinctly I had the, I, I think I had chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes and green beans. It was good. I may have felt that a little bit hiking the next day, but it was worth it. So the next morning we were fully rested, left early, didn't stop. Instead of stopping on the way to get lifers that we already had at this point, we just we just beat feet and pushed and got clear up there where we needed to be up Pinnacles Trail. We were way up Pinnacles Trail as the sun was rising, whereas the year before, at the same place, the sun had already been up two hours. So we went up Pinnacles Trail to Boot Canyon, but we actually found the first Kalima Warbler about a half a mile before Boot Canyon, singing beautifully. Didn't get a look at it, but we heard it. The, we then, of course, went down Boot Canyon, saw another beautiful Kalima Warbler feeding down in the understory right by the trail. On the way out of Boot Canyon, heard another one. And then on the way out Pinnacles Trail again, wrapping up the, the hike, we saw one right over the trail singing, got good looks at it, just beautiful. So I think it, all in all, we recorded five Kalima Warblers and we redeemed ourselves. 2023 was was our redemption and it was it was great. Some takeaways, I personally, the thing that helped us the most is to stay in the lodge or a solid-sided camper. I'm not big anymore there into sleeping on the ground, dealing with the weather because it's such a significant hike the next day. And then, of course, we planned to hike two or three hours, and we did. We got way up there before sunrise. Always best at sunrise. Things are Things are happening when the sun comes up. And then the second time, again, we didn't focus on other lifers. We just kept hiking and got up the trail. And I think the best way to do it is to go up Pinnacles Trail and then down Boot Canyon. Down in Boot Canyon, another great bird you can get is a blue-throated mountain gem, which we got. So a rare hummingbird that just slips up into that country. I think another consideration for Klima Warbler, for people that really can't make that hike there are records of late season Kalima warblers, much lower elevation near Lost Mine Trail, around the lodge, around Windows Trail, around the campground. I think if a person really looked and spent time lower elevation in July, late June or July, they could possibly get a bird that's descended to lower elevation post breeding before they migrate south. Just a thought, just an idea, because they clearly have been recorded nearly every year some individuals lower down and there might be more it's just that people aren't there looking for them so what is the future of Kalima warblers i currently they're stable 
every source I read, they're relatively, relatively stable. Every five years since about 1967, up to 30, 35 citizen scientists have put on packs and spread out and looked over territories from Green Gulch to Boot Canyon to search for these warblers. And although they fluctuate, they seem to be pretty stable year to year. Some sources say there's less than 200 pairs. Some say there's more like 300 pairs, but they're around and they're there. It seems that the only thing that could have a real significant effect is some significant habitat loss due to fire. If a, a big fire cleaned out most of that area, they would have a tough time. And again, winter ranges is important. They These birds winter from uh, Sinaloa to Oaxaca in southwest Mexico in real brushy, flowery banks and tangles within pine oak forests. So if they were to lose winter habitat, it could have the same the same effect. So when I got Kalima Warbler, it was lifer number 537 in the United States. I have a lot more than I did a couple years ago. I still have a lot of work to do, but I was delighted to get Kalima Warbler. I'm glad that Levi and Jim and I redeemed ourselves in 2023. Just a great, great trip. We are at Boot Springs. Jim just got a couple lifers. Jim, what were they? Uh, Blue Throated Mountain Jim and Painted Red Star. And Levi got a... Blue Throated Mountain Jim. As did I. And we, we hear another Kalima, so... We have pretty much slated it. Really the only bird out there possible that would be a coup de gras is Lesser Nighthawk. We've got everything else was on any of our lists. We're totally Yeah, I don't know. We could get some migrating warbler. Mexican Jays. On the way up here we got again the Kalima, a lot of Canyon Rans. And Townsend's Warbler was a great one. Congrats guys, you've had a heck of a few days. Please email me if you have questions about this episode or comments about this episode, comments about any episode, radfordbirds, with an S, radfordbirds at gmail.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast and have some expertise you'd like to share, again, email me at radfordbirds at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you all. Bye-bye.